Hey, Blake from Launch Notes here. Thanks so much for checking out the Launch Notes podcast. Today's podcast features a recording of a recent live Office Hours event we hosted in the Launch Awesome community. To join a future Office Hours session where you can ask us questions on anything you want, from building and launching products to Launch Notes best practices, join our free Launch Awesome Slack community. We host Office Hours every Friday and share an invite with everyone in the community. You'll find a link in the show notes or just do a quick search for Launch Awesome and it will come right up. In the meantime, enjoy this episode. What have you guys, uh, what has anyone played around with? Yeah, the biggest thing I've played around with is just the Open API Playground. It's so good. Um, mm -hmm. One of the main things I use it for is just like... Um, Sometimes even if I'm reading a blog post that I feel like is like, oh, this is like super, super dense. I'll, I'll like literally, I'll copy a big chunk of the blog post and I'll start the, start the prompt with summarize this colon and then I'll paste it in and it's like, zoop. it just kind of like re rewrites no it way. for people. Yeah. That's and it's awesome. like, oh, okay. This is like the, this is like the easy bit of like what this person's trying to get across. Like, oh, okay, cool. So almost is like, awesome. a, like a reading. Saw, yeah. I was going to say, I just saw a, um, there's a tool posted in Lenny's where, that does that for blog posts. It's like a, basically just like a quick summary. Uh, it uses GPT-3 or OpenAI, I believe. Um, yeah. 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 We were actually looking into GPT-3 for like, like this is a little bit down the road, but for taking part of our opportunity solution tree and just synthesizing that into like a, yeah um, into like a story for your solutions yeah yeah this is what yeah i know i think that's like the next level of i just, yeah i just got off a call with a this agency out out west too that's that's basically looking for something like that um, really? yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah Matt, i'm really i'm really curious because uh a lot of the opportunities you have come directly from calls with customers, right? So you're you're yeah. taking out quotes of, of directly stated problems. Yeah. Have you looked mm -hmm. at using uh, uh, GPT-3 and summarization as a way of looking at large okay. volumes of yeah. call? So, okay. So I, I mean, I'm pretty sure tools like Dovetail or Reduct are probably looking at this because there's just a lot of over... Like, so with Reduct, right now, user researchers have to... Um, essentially like create reels um, by just clipping different parts of videos and like, okay, well, I'm going to create this powerful narrative, um, pulling these clips together to create this, you know, you know, this narrative. And um, if you used, you could use AI to basically group all of those calls, like without having to slice them together and just like potentially do some auto tagging uh, of your transcripts. I think that that would save a lot of time in like pulling together all that user research into one condensed story. And then, yeah, we would love to like, from our point of view, then we would love to automatically attach that to like opportunities in our space. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it, it seems like a perfect, fit. perfect opportunity. We already see sales call companies doing this type of like mining for, what is the behavior that's occurring on the call? What are the problems that are being stated by customers? You see Gong, Gong Chorus, Avoma, yeah. they're all surfacing these insights for you. Uh, yeah, it seems like, like user Gong, research. 
Yeah, they'd like tag it where it's like this part of the call was about pricing and this part of the call was about features and like being able to then say, hey, 20% of the call is about pricing. Like that's pretty, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, even, even that I feel like can be helpful. Just kind of bucketing it into like what broad strokes, what's even being talked about here. There's this other, there's this like deeper level of like analysis and like thinking about like, the implications of like what these people are saying on sales calls, like how getting a feel for like, you know, how important to them are these things that they're saying, like, um, you know, kind of thinking through, Oh, if, if we build this kind of thing, like strategically, like, is that, is that super important to us? Like, do we think that uh, this can unlock some new, I don't know, bout of growth for us? I, I feel like that would be, just the most interesting thing for AI to be able to do, to really like that, that second order level of thinking. Um, I feel like right now, a lot of what it's doing is like semantics and like tagging, like this conversation means, here's like an easier way to say what they just said, or like the topic of this conversation was blah, blah, blah. But then that like second order level of thinking, um, I think would be, yeah, super interesting. I would imagine bringing it into like, you know, insights and then like real time action you can take. Like something pops up and is like, based on what we've learned about this call already, which you're only 16 minutes into, if you bring up pricing, you have a 12% better chance of a successful <laughs> next step or whatever. Like, yeah, do that now. Like that's mm -hmm. when stuff kind of gets like really like, you know, the bottom guy in the meme with all the brain exploding because it's just like freaking <laughs> yeah interjecting in the middle I, of the I think actual work yeah you're exactly right one of the most fascinating things i've seen with ai is just how context is key and how the more context you provide it the more actionable it's able to be the more accurate it's able to be um being able to do that in real time and pulling in context from other sources yeah, there's opportunity there for sure Blake yeah yeah I I also think it's exciting around it seems to me like there are going to be a lot of opportunities for companies to take advantage of this without like the massive scale and resources of like a Google or Facebook or Fang company where it would be like we have these like you know, terabytes of training data on every customer and blah, 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 like all this stuff. Like it feels like we're kind of getting on the cusp of like, you know, uh, series A startup can do like really compelling things with this. Um, you don't need to have, you know, um, you don't need to have this insane like backlog on your customers or this insane, you know, set of resources to, to start taking advantage of it. Yeah, I think that's the like big promise of GPT three or GPT was it GPT Neo? Like they're all like the open source, like they're all like tra pre trained models, so that like you can you can get all of that value almost like almost right out of the box without having to train it yourself. Um, yeah, which is like that's that's a pretty exciting space. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Is there anything, because I've certainly been thinking of this on the content side, but I'm curious for you guys who work on product, like, 
anything on the product side where you're not just like building this, there's like building this into the products you're building, but just like using some of this stuff to like be a better PM or to like think about how to like augment your own job with some of this stuff. Like anything you guys like, like what are you thinking about or what do you think is obvious or what would you like to try or have tried or anything like that? I can share one example. Um, one thing that's kind of frustrating. Um, no, it's not frustrating. It's just like kind of just the way it is. So whenever we, we talk to customers and then we start, you know, writing down our like synthesized notes and putting them in um, to our tool, uh, if I have somebody else doing that as well and there's like a ton of overlap, like I would just love to be aware of it. Like it would, it would save so much time if I knew that somebody else was researching like the same thing or if, um, or if like two branches of like two, two projects were so closely related, but people didn't realize it. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, like these two projects are actually solving the same pain point that these 10 different customers are having. It's just two different ways of going at it. So mm-hmm. like just to be aware that there's that overlap, even if you decide like not to kill one of those projects or not, like, but like I- I've seen it, I've already seen it like three or four times and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like the same issue that we've been doing research on over here. But it's it's very, ma- it's almost like a hundred percent manual right now to, to make that connection. Yeah, I feel like where I want to use it is a very similar vein and it's also related to, to user interviews and user calls. And I'd love to start surfacing the themes that are being discussed and with what relevance and without the recency bias that I know I have and I know other folks that are taking these calls have. I want to see, you know, for all the calls within a particular time frame, what were the themes that were coming up? What are the topics that are um, uh, really at, at the core of these conversations? What are the questions I should be asking on my next call? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, diving into like, I think the stuff that is going to come out just around augmenting qualitative research is going to be super, super interesting. Whether that's yes. sales calls or customer calls or whatever, like the potential of like, we can synthesize insights, we can draw connections and patterns that you otherwise wouldn't be able to find unless you like listen to a zillion of them, like feel like mm-hmm. we're going to be on the cusp of some really, really cool stuff there. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see some exciting products cropping up in that space. Like, as mentioned, there's like gong in the world of like sales calls and they're obviously doing like awesome, important work there, but probably that's just like the tip of the iceberg with some of this. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how, um, I know a lot of these models are like, you know, you kind of get the stock, you know, the stock pre-trained model. I wonder how easy it is to, I don't know, like extend it or like, um, sharpen it or something in a way that like, um, helps for your specific context. Like the things that the thing that comes to mind is like when you guys are saying that is like, oh, can we can we kind of take like a base layer of this and then train it around all of the context for a specific 
customer of ours or something like that. So that like, so that it like really knows all the stuff about this company and the types of products they have and the, the things that they're launching and the kinds of feedback that they get from customers mm -hmm. so that it can like, you know, really, yeah. like really accurately just, I don't know, help yeah. a specific customer um, in that way. Cause it's, yeah. yeah. So you, I was going to say you can, so with GPT-3, like it, it's a base model, but mm -hmm. you can at least, uh, I'm almost positive you can. I was talking to one of my co-founders about this. Like you can, you extend it with your own data. You can extend that base model with your own data set. So mm -hmm. then, so now the recommendations going into that model are a lot more mm -hmm. relevant, but you still start somewhere and then you yeah. just take your data set and extend it. Right. Yeah. yeah that's I heard, um, I, I heard uh, an interview with Sam Altman and he was talking about, I, I maybe butchering my interpretation of it, but basically like he is excited about like the wave of startups that are basically going to take this and like tune it for their specific industry, mm -hmm. their specific company, yep. their specific use case, like all sorts of different ways of kind of like, you know, this is a stock engine and I'm going to like tune it to all these different like use cases and stuff. Yeah. Just had that conversation. Really? Today. Yeah. 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 yeah, we're we're looking into it. It's it's not like a next week thing, but it's definitely next yeah. next few months we'll be we'll be playing with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On the marketing side, I've had a pet peeve, one of my little pet peeves I've had for a long time that I'm I'm hopeful, you know, products crop up around this or stuff crops up around this. I think there's a lot of potential here. I just think it's <clears throat> pretty old fashioned the way we still like most companies continue to do marketing, which is like kind of one size fits all. Like there's not a lot of customization. There's not a lot of like real time programmatic adjusting of the messaging and offers and material you're presented with as you sort of like shop for a product or go through a company's marketing material based on like you as an individual and like the behavior that yeah. it knows about you. Like the obvious example, like a company that does this well is like Amazon, like on the high end, like I can go to amazon.com and it is like a very well-tuned machine that knows what to put in front of me based on what I've, you know, what I've shopped for and bought before and knows all my buying habits around that. And mm -hmm. obviously you can get into, you know, Netflix and Facebook and all sorts of kind of content recommendation algorithms. And I'm already out over my skis, but I just think there's a lot more, you know, that kind of thinking and solution can kind of work its way down market and you can be like a, a SaaS company and have a landing page that's like got some, you know, customization mm. that's mm -hmm. going to, you know, present different messages, offers, language based on, you know, what it knows you've done on that site before or what products you've bought already before or what activity mm -hmm. you've shown in the product already or what your team's account looks like or whatever. Like that your pricing page should look bespoke to this customer because they're that customer and not just this is our pricing page. Everyone sees the, the exact same one. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I think, I think that we're going to be able to kind of unlock a lot of cool stuff there. That's what I'm excited about on the marketing side. That is yeah. exciting. And especially when you pair it with things like Clearbit and other enrichment sources where they don't have to interact with you at all in order for you to customize their experience on the marketing page. You can identify yeah. them in advance. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. There is a company that does a little bit, uh, that does this a little bit called Mutiny, I think. Um, I think yeah. they do kind of exactly that. It's like a way to like, you can, 
You can change which mm -hmm. what the H1 on your, you know, on your right. landing pages. You can change the, you know, everyone's got that like section of um, logos of like some of our customers. You can customize that to like kind of reflect or be more similar to the, you know, the size or industry that the visitor is from so that they like more readily recognize some of your customers. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, that's interesting. So one team that does this, um, so like Miro, I think does a pretty good job at, um, they split up their solutions marketing page by role. Like they're, so they have like five or six different, very targeted like splash pages. And they, um, all of their marketing just directs, like depending on the message, will direct you to like one of those. But if you could get somebody to come in without having engaged, like so that organic, um, traffic that comes to your page, if it knew, somehow knew like, oh, okay, you, sh you want to look at this product marketing page or you want to look at, you know, whatever, like the other pages, like a designer page, um, that would be really cool. But I think they do a, a really good job at um, having like tailored splash pages based on role, which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I, I've definitely seen some good examples already, and I it seems like the 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 future could be you know a lot of what's out there already is like someone made a decision around like if this person's from an enterprise let's let's show them this page if we can figure that yeah. out. What's going to be really cool is when you know when my training model or whatever can like start to surface things images create create new images like create a whole new like you know marketing page or a whole new like background image or graphic or whatever like like kind of create new stuff or pick from something that i didn't even know was an option yet um yeah i think there's it's it's gonna cool potential to go places there yeah while we're in uh, outer space mode, just riffing cool ideas on this. Um, <laughs> yeah. One thing that comes to mind, you mentioned marketing, and I was kind of like thinking, you know, down the fun a little bit. Um, and I think there's an opportunity here, too, for um, some like really cool customer success applications just around, like I'm imagining, um, hey, I sign up for a product, and maybe a couple days later, I, you know, my activity falls off a little bit. Getting like... Um, like a drip email that's kind of custom written around the kind of activity that I have done or haven't done. Um, mm -hmm. and can like, you know, you using one of these, um, language models to like actually write an email that speaks to the state I'm in offers, you know, some like pre-wired suggestions that it knows oh are like effective for what I have done or haven't done. Um, I think that could be super interesting. Is there a chat here? I want to drop something in it. I don't think there, I don't know what this app is. If you go to our, uh, so if you go to our YouTube channel, you'll find this video playing live and you can drop something in the chat there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just read it. Cause that, <laughs> that seems like a, that sounds right like a lot of work. Yeah. But or this can... guy just, he just said this. He's like, Hey, this is what, this is what my customer success manager just sent out to one of our users. And it said, can I ask you what inspired you to use X feature that you persisted past this bug and reached out for support? Um, and then he has like a lot of people would have just stopped, but you kept going. Like he was basically saying that like most users stop here, but you kept going after you hit this bug. Why did you do it? And he said that the like um, 
the response was the person like responded to the customer success email with more detail than they ever like they've ever gotten in a customer support request because like he's basically saying, hey, you did this, then you did this. Why most people don't do it? Like, and you could just automate that. Like, that's yeah. a very like personalized touch to CS that I think is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, and I feel like it can like and yeah. Um, when you have what feels like a very personalized reach out, I think the, re the response to those is incredible, um, incredibly higher than something that, you know, I think we're all so wired to ignore. I mean, we get, I get so many asks for feedback or this or that, that, that are very clearly very automated. Um, and I ignore almost all of them, but the ones that like feel like, oh, no, this is someone actually sat down and like typed this out and I can tell because it's like very personalized. Um, yeah, and I feel like you can kind of, you could maybe use these tools to implement something like that. I'm sure our uh, awareness of that that exists will grow and we'll go on to, you know, that ignore those in the future, but but there's an opportunity now, so. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like, that is super exciting. There is, it it feels like, like a theme of SaaS the last, I don't know, decade plus has been like this holistic, 360 high fidelity view of the customer and every platform is kind of jockeying to be the one that knows the customer the best um, and has all the data about the customer such that you can do, you know, targeted, granular, exceptional kind of conversations with your customer and have that great relationship, blah, blah, blah. It's always just like one of the toughest customer experiences when you're like, because you, you always, you, you can always see the seams and you always catch the gaps and you're always like, ah, you're showing me an ad for something I just bought. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't make sense. Or, oh, you're sending me a, you know, you're sending me a survey for something I didn't actually like follow through on. Or you're, you know, you're asking me and it's all just like sort of all the kind of like communication between business and customer that is based on shallow data and what you're kind of talking about, Matt, where it's like we can kind of easily and programmatically like go deeper on sort of sussing out like, Hey, we saw you did this, this, and this, and you haven't bought this yet. Um, just wanted to, just wanted to see if XYZ might make more sense. Stuff like that. Like the, the ability to kind of like reach in and pull those insights out, um, at scale, crazy, crazy, uh, potential there probably. Oh yeah. Cool. I gotta play with. I gotta play with this more. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm gonna set up a, a Jasper account and start using that in earnest more on the marketing team here and see what I can, see what I can figure out with that. Um, I know Adam, yeah. you said you'd played with that a little bit. Any any early impressions of Jasper, for writing? Um, yeah, I was impressed with um, it, the. Um, kind of ease of use and um, the interface of Jasper as well as the quality of the output. Um, that um, Copy AI is another uh, interesting uh, writing tool. Um, they And they've got a boatload of templates. They've got everything from blog, the website, to release notes. And, um, you know, I've been trialing that a little bit. So, um, and then there's uh, Writer is another one that I've checked out. Um, but yeah, I think Jasper is, is a very kind of polished interface and uh, the output is, is, is generally pretty impressive. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to. Uh, I want to play with it more. My my ultimate goal, and it might be a selfish one, um, as a content marketer, is to spend as much time as possible doing stuff like this, and like the copy of the description field for the YouTube, yeah, for the YouTube entry or whatever. Like as little as time as possible doing that, or like the synthesis recap stuff, or the you know like yeah. the headline. You know like. I like to do that, sure, but like actually like getting the primary source material, talking to customers, talking to experts, you know, having interviews, it's, conversations. It's stuff fantastic. Like that, and for, then letting something yeah. It's fantastic for getting a first draft down done. It it, it in no way is gonna be awesome. replacing anybody, but it is just a really big enhancement and to your point, Blake. It allows you to, you know, knock some stuff out um like whether it's yeah. a blog or an email or just stuff that you mm-hmm. need to do but then to your point you're able to focus on the creativity of your job and the content that you're creating rather than just you know i've got to get this email out to you know so it, it is it is a big uh kind of force multiplier enhancer yeah yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, I know on like the writing side and I've had like kind of like colleagues and peers and stuff who are sort of, I don't know, intimidated or worried or bothered by that kind of all this that's come up on the writing side. And I'm like, dude, like you're, you know, it's like you're a carpenter 200 years ago or 100 years ago and they just invented electricity and like you're going to get to use power tools like it's going to be great <laughs> like <laughs> you're not going to have to like turn every screw by hand like there's going to be electric drills and nail guns like get excited like learn how to use those tools mm-hmm. yeah like the first reaction of people is like oh this is going to work me out of a job or something but the real take is like oh no this is going to be it's going to make it easier and there's just going to be like more of it yeah, and it will make for people who lean in and embrace the tooling and like embrace the technology, like it will make you more efficient at your job, right? It will make you be able to right. do more, right. you know. It won't be, you know, it won't be you sitting there pounding nails as slow as you always have, but there's a robot next to you pounding nails faster. It's going to be just like you pounding nails faster than ever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's the doctor who can serve twice as many patients and doesn't necessarily replace the other doctor in the office. Maybe it does, but really it just like makes doctor number one, like more efficient. Like they can analyze more lab reports or whatever doctors do. I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. It's more people can get healthcare, not half the doctors will be employed. Right. Right. But I do think like, if you're seeing stuff like this, like I think a I would be most scared if I were, you know, shying away from it because I think that's going to be, you know, you're going to, could paint yourself into a corner career wise that way, but I won't go off on that tangent. Yeah. I I think like you, you mentioned that Sam Altman uh, interview. Um, He's the CEO of uh, OpenAI, and, you know, of course he's bullish on it, but I mean, he's, he's so bullish that he's basically saying this is the next, you know, technology platform, you know, advancement, you know, after mobile. So, I mean, that, and that, you know, industries and companies and, you know, um, mm-hmm. are, are going to be formed from it, around it, and because of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Maybe a good place to wrap. Any other, uh, any other topics y'all had today? 
Any other points on this one? Uh, yeah, not on this what? one, but I had a totally other thing I wanted to chat about here. Right, Sorry, Teddy. Go ahead. What totally. Totally cut you off. My bad. The floor is yours, Steve. Okay. So, oh, sorry. I was like, was that his hand? Sorry. And then I looked away for a second. Um, cool. The, we'll chop, we'll chop all this out in post anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so that Jake's wedding, uh, two weekends ago, I was talking to a guy, Patrick Thompson. He, you know, he's next Atlassian started a company that got acquired by Amplitude. Um, was drunk believe it or not, at a wedding. Um, and, <laughs> you know, we were, talking about, we were talking about launch notes and, you know, this and that, just stuff about startups and product development and strategy and this, this that, the other. And um, the details, a little fuzzy, but one, um, <laughs> one, one soundbite that I came away from feeling like, oh, man, this is um, so nice, uh, was the soundbite of outcome-driven development. Um, okay. So to kind of set the scene, Matt, you and I kind of did a bit of, um, we did an AMA that was like roughly around this topic. So I wanted to kind of pull you in and chat with you about this. Um, I remember leaving that conversation feeling like, man, this, this thing, outcome driven development is like, so it's just like succinct. And I think people get what it means. Um, and I feel like the whole idea of outcomes over outputs is like really having a moment right now. But I was like, man, this can be a thing that people like build, I don't know, build a company around. Like this could be the new, this could be like the next agile development. Um, I feel like agile development was around like, you know, you know, better practices around, you know, you know getting away from waterfall, the whole like, whole, you know, do your requirements and then hold yourself away for six months and build it. And let's do shorter cycles. The whole like outcomes over outputs thing, I feel like is is like that next wave of like, okay, but like our new, I don't know, baseline big shift is like, we got to be doing stuff that starts from like the outputs that we want to achieve. And we got to let, and then, yeah. And we got to let all, all the stuff that we build kind of flow from those. Um, so I just wanted to, I don't, I don't know what the takeaway there is, but just wanted to share that like snippet and just kind of get Matt's reaction to that and um, see what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, we see we see companies trying to make that shift all the time, and it's like, how do we? How do we? But the, the one of the biggest challenges is like, how do you organize your company and your company culture around um, that, right? Because for so many of them, it's like we're used to talking about features, prioritizing features. But if you can make that shift and like the out, like, like anything driven development, right? It's that first thing that you put there. So test driven development, REPL driven development, whatever driven development is like the thing that you put in the front there. That's, that's like the feedback. That's the model that influences development and the feedback goes back into influencing that model. So tests, it's like the, the test passes or fails. That's the model. If it's if, if you know if it's outcomes, it's like our our solutions meeting this outcome, and that's the model, and it's like the feedback loop that you have. Um, but making that shift, yeah, like everybody wants to do it, but lots of companies are struggling to do it right now. Um, that's that's my takeaway just from all the conversations that I have. I'm working with a team in Ecuador right now that is trying to like. 
300 person company, that's that whole company is trying to shift from uh, organizing by features to organizing by outcomes. And they're like, how do we do it? Yeah. So. I feel like it's it's got to be so hard to do that. It's like, it sounds like it's trying, it's like trying to replace a car engine while you're flying down the freeway. Like it, it would almost, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be probably so much easier to like start from that mm-hmm. than to like, you know, people have so many uh, rituals and practices and customs in their company and a way of doing things. And you're, and it's kind of asking people to like rip out the heart of that, you know, while you're still, you, you still got it. Cause you still got to keep moving too. And it's like, how do we, yeah. How do we fully, you know, transition like the heart of what we do. It's like doing it another way without, you know, without the whole train going off the rails mid mid process. And I'm sure you're, yeah. And we've talked about it a couple of times on the side and like, it sounds like you're kind of right in the middle of that figuring out how to help, how to help companies do that. Yeah. We, we're, we're trying really hard to figure out how to help companies do that right now. Um, this call right before this, a whole hour with a agency trying to basically like, how can, how are you helping companies do this? Um, that was like the whole point of the call and like, how can we work together mm-hmm. so that you can continue to help companies make this transformation and, you know, we can potentially be the infrastructure that powers that transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think everybody's trying to do it, but as you're pointing out, the biggest challenge is, you know, you're already flying down the highway. How do you, <laughs> you change out? How do you change everything out? Right. I think that yeah. that's an interesting model. Like you brought up test-driven development. So correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm already out over my skis on this topic. But like that is test-driven development is essentially like we will literally create the test for the code before we write the code. And then when we write the code, we will have the test to run it against to sort of see where we are with it. Um, so to sort of extend that into yeah, outcome-driven development, the idea I assume would be like we will design the outcomes we want you know, very specifically. And then that, that will be the first thing we do is like literally like build the outcome we want to see. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's like a hundred percent the direction that it's, it's going. I actually love that term uh, outcome driven development. Um, mm-hmm. A lot like you'll hear a lot right now in the industry. It's like outcome based roadmaps is like mm-hmm. the term, but outcome driven development like really ties it and like, okay, development is influenced by the outcome. And then, so the, yeah, the outcome influences the input of your development. The output of your development is then checked by your outcome. So like, like a test, Mm -hmm. you design your test, you write the code, you don't know if it's going to work or not. And then the test will tell you like, yep, it worked or it didn't work. So you're out, same thing, your outcome. Like if, if it's increased ARR as a business level outcome, and you do all these development activities to try to increase that, you know, your outcomes, your test, right? Did you hit that increased ARR? So it's an interesting idea. <laughs> well, I mm-hmm. had an outcome in mind when the day started, which was, let's see if we can get YouTube live up and running and test this <laughs> out. And I think we achieved it. So <laughs> thanks, for, you- uh, thanks for helping us uh, achieve our outcomes today, guys. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. How is, how has this been? Was it easy enough to get set up? Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was easy. I think, I mean, you tell me, but I think jumping to Riverside just as easy or easier than what we've been doing for these. So I think we keep doing it. What were you doing for these? 
uh, session, which is like okay, a the, the hop in thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That's how I was yeah. curious. I saw that. This looks like a new thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm a little. Yeah, I'm a little. Well, I, I mean, I guess kind of goes back to like what are what are what are the outcomes that we should be targeting here. There's um one thing that I'm kind of constantly trying to find a way to be doing is like ways to involve the um involve the community like a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I think session can't. I know we've kind of struggled like attendance. What like you know we're sh we're showing up every week, but getting people from the community to show up every week's been like tough at times. So yeah, but, yeah, yeah. For me, with you know, with specifically an event like this and doing this mm -hmm. every Friday, half the battle for me is like one because it's like great. Like I get to have like you know some of the smartest people at our company like showing up and kind of talking about you know given topics or stuff we're doing content around stuff we're marketing stuff or whatever and like we can mm -hmm. kind of like take that turn into thought leadership blogs whatever like put it on our podcast like just like build our like warehouse of content and expertise and thought leadership and all that insights from experts and people on our team and all that like just like building like a warehouse of that stuff is like mm -hmm. what i like doing with this and for me yeah. like actually getting like doing it live and doing it as like, you know, real time content is just like icing on the cake. And if long term, I can, we can kind of build an audience organically toward that even better. Yes. But, yep. you know, I've had way better luck getting folks to show up for this and talk about topics than I have, you know, what I would have done in past roles. And in the past is like, you know, Hey, Teddy and Adam, can we talk for 30 minutes about, you know, AI stuff um, for, you know, kind of some thought leadership for the marketing blog or whatever. Right. <clears throat> and it's like, yeah, maybe we can schedule that in two weeks. We're busy, you know, um, but just mm -hmm. like being able to do this, like, you know, people show up, at least people internally show up. Um, mm -hmm. Matt, having you hop in is, is pretty, pretty cool actually. Yeah. Like I, I love seeing like friends of the friends of the company, like jump in too. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like we'll build an audience slowly. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like this, this setup does a great job of like, um, with the goal of like audience building in mind. I feel, I feel mm. like this setup is great for it. And YouTube's got plenty of like, I mean, it's very helpful in so many ways around distribution, mm. ease of recording, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I'll probably, I still want to like for me on, on the community side, yeah, just still like working on forming those, like, I think in general, the company's doing a great job of like the us, like us to many thing, the audience building side. Mm. Um, I think I'm still struggling with how can we like the value of community? Isn't that like, can you help create those like node to node connections mm. where it's not just like them to us, it's like them to them. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh, have you seen Shuffle? No. The, so it's like a Slack plugin for communities that, um, yeah, bench, everyone joins the Shuffle channel. And this it's a Slack bot that just pairs every however many weeks you set it, pairs oh, two yeah. people together. And then like it's like, hey, find some time to meet. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a couple communities that I'm in that that uh, that do that. So. Oh, cool. Okay. I'll have to chat with you. Um, chat with you more about that. Yeah, that's... That's interesting. I don't I've always been like kind of I don't know, wary about like automated like intro or shuffly things like that. Um, I don't know why. 
so the only ones that I actually do it, so I, I'm, I do it in two paid communities and one non-paid community, and I never meet with anybody in the non-paid community. It's the two paid communities that I'm like, it's always much better conversation. Okay, so that's, yeah, I think that's that's kind of where I'm coming from is I know, I like the reality is the, um, so Launch Awesome is like both product managers and product marketers, kind of all the way from like entry-level people up through senior um you know, senior management people. Um, so in that way, like any, I feel like I want to be very curated about, because I know people are, you know, rightfully so, like kind of guarded with their time. Um, and I just want to be like very curated with like the, I don't know, pairing of people to like meet or whatever. Um, yeah, I wonder if more like um, topic, almost like topic-based, like round table things would be like a more like appropriate venue for me just so people can kind of self-select into, or maybe even they're like invite only that's like, hey, we're throwing in like, we're throwing a community event on XYZ topic. And we know that this is like right up the alley of like you and 10 other people who are, um, uh, you know, heads of PMM that are like looking for ways to like, um, they're all growing the team right now. And like, that's the topic. And so like, that's like, that's a kind of pitch that I think people can get down for. Um, Cause it's like, oh, it's me and like my, uh, like other peers that have this problem. We're talking about this thing that I deeply care about. Um, I think that could work better than like. Um, if, if you're yeah. getting like 10 heads of product together in like a conversation, like that's a, sounds like a prime opportunity for some like sponsorship, like incentivizing, like give more value to like, you have like a sponsor that's like, hey, yeah, that's like my target. That's my ICP. Like yeah. I'll give away this. And then that could even be an incentive like to value add for your for your uh, attendees. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Just like a mm. little cherry on top thing. Or they could sponsor it and just pay us to do Or to pay you. Yeah. And then yeah. we could have, yeah, and we, we could have negative CAC. Let's do it. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Our marketing team pays for itself. <laughs> I would love to see it. Honestly, let's do it. Um, anyway, so yeah, all good. Good ideas. Things swirling around the uh, brand there. Thanks, Crow. See ya. Well, cool. See you guys. Thanks, guys. Hey, Blake here again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Launch Notes podcast. If you work on a product team, whether you're in product management, product marketing, product ops, or any other supporting function, go check out the Launch Awesome community. Hundreds of the top product minds from companies like Google, Atlassian, Twilio, and more are in the community sharing their expertise every day. This free Slack community is a great place to connect with and learn from real product leaders, actual practitioners who are in the trenches building and launching products at some of the most exciting startups and SaaS companies around. To join, head to the link in the show notes or just do a quick search for Launch Awesome and it'll come right up. Finally, if you're a fan of this show, don't forget to subscribe so you'll be first to know about new episodes. And of course, we'd be thrilled if you left us a review. Reviews not only help other people find the show, but also just lets us know which content you find most valuable so we can create even more of it. Thanks again for being here.